Welcome to the Underpaid and Underqualified Podcast with your host, Ja, and... Vince. Alright, and so, sorry everybody to our loyal, loyal seven to nine listeners and our three followers here on Podbean. Um, many apologies just because we weren't able to film last week. I believe it was a, uh, it was a shared... We weren't able to film any week because we actually record. I am sorry. My bad. We didn't have a chance to record. We just... We were busy last week. Things happened. Things ran later than I thought, so I couldn't make it to the recording. But this Jazz had too many concerts that he was going to that he was neglected to tell me ahead of time. He doesn't care about his many fans. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about his life. All these different issues. Oh my gosh, his mic is like picking up so much noise. Anyways. Anyways. So Vince, tell me, how have you been these last two weeks? How have you been, dude? You went to two concerts. You, I have no idea what the hell you've been doing. Yeah, I don't really know either, man. Work's been really busy. Been moving. I've been feeling very scatterbrained. Didn't have the podcast to keep me like grounded last week. Missed my uh, loyal companion. I feel like you're throwing shade at me. <laughs> Is this you throwing shade at me? Yeah, it might be. But uh, no, I don't know. I've just been uh, really busy, kind of scatterbrained. Uh, but you know what I did do, Jeff? What did you do? I saw a movie. Oh, what movie did you see? Uh, a little movie called It Chapter 2. Oh, hey, guess what I saw last week? It Chapter 1. It Chapter 2, you asshole. Hey, there we go. <laughs> all right, all right. What, what did you think of this movie? What was your initial impression, reaction, thoughts? Uh, my thoughts. I really enjoyed it, actually. Oh, I really? Uh, Yeah, I heard, going into it, I heard that it's uh, very long and... Uh, kind of feel the length of it and it had some moments that could definitely be cut out of it but uh i don't know i really liked it it was like didn't really feel like just a horror movie that you know you kind of do for the sake of scaring people it just felt like actually a good story that had horror elements behind it kind of like stranger things which is a bad example because i know you hate stranger things uh um, i just find it boring uh you, you watched like three episodes of I it right four you keep raising the number every time. No, you're like, legitimately. First time you're no, like, oh, two me, episodes. No, people told me, watch four episodes. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'll give you that cutoff until four. And they're like, what'd you think? I was still bored out of my mind. Well, that's your problem, Jeff. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I'll watch Stranger Things if someone is willing to sit there and watch it with me. But everyone's so far ahead. They're like, yeah, no, we're not going to uh, watch it with you. Then I'm not going to watch it. No, you should give it a try. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> Well, I think we're getting a little sidetracked here. The point is, Stranger Things is a great show. And I think it was similar to that in that it's a good story and has horror elements to it. And what was your opinion of it, Chapter 2, Jeff? What's funny is it's complete and absolute opposite of your opinion. <laughs> you really didn't like it? Um, so I went with a group of, like, five people, right? And yeah. all five people walked out there and just thought, okay, that was an underwhelming movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I have. I really. You know that test we took of whether or not you're a sociopath? Yeah. More and more I'm starting to think the results are accurate because I feel like every movie that I'm like really feeling something, you're just like, I felt nothing. Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, It Chapter 2, Stranger Things. I feel like all these things that I'm actually super into, you're just, you have like no reaction to. It was cute. <laughs> it was a it, cute, it chapter two movie. Yeah. The <laughs> whole entire premise of this So let me literally... get this straight. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm about to reveal a spoiler. You're telling me a movie where two little children get devoured by an alien clown was cute? <laughs> the whole premise of the movie was all about, like, overcoming their fears and the whole... Another spoiler alert. Um, when they went back into town, they... F- 
so when they left town, they forgot all their memories. They forgot their entire adventures, pretty much, right? Yes. And then they come back, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, to remember things, but not everything. But I don't remember how I overcame certain fears. Mm-hmm. So some of it was repeating the same fears. Some of it was overcoming same or new fears. And so it was very heartwarming. Of oh, um, we're just overcoming our fears. Yay! It's like another like after school special. Um, and then the uh, what was it? Their friend, another spoiler alert. Their one friend I forgot his name suicided, and was like, "We're doing it." <laughs> suicided. I don't think that's an actual word. <laughs> Committed suicide. <laughs> Sorry, I and make suicide jokes. English is still not technically my first language. Um, and so... Well, you speak it well enough that I don't feel bad saying We must, we must, like, avenge him. His death is, like, we must not, like, let it go in vain or something. And at the end, he, another spoiler alert, uh, his friend wrote a letter to everybody. He said, yeah, my, my death was actually a rallying call for everybody here. Yeah, okay, well... so that's why, like, for, okay, first... I thought I was pretty indifferent because I enjoyed it because, uh, was it his name? Bill Hader? Yes. So I enjoyed a lot of the comedic elements. I just thought of it more as kind of like Get Out, where people said, oh my gosh, it's a crazy horror movie. And I just sat there and thought, okay, that was a wonderful thriller slash comedy. You didn't think it was scary at all? No. No. Uh, And then when I saw It, I thought the, um, the CGI of the monsters were very... Yeah, people have said that. I don't know. CGI looked totally fine to me. I can't looked, think of one scene where it didn't look good. I it mean, it looked cheap. It looked kind of well, not cheap, but then it just the monsters itself, like how they were designed, looked kind of like cheap monsters and nothing of scary nature. I can't think like, of one besides, scene where they didn't look good. Besides I, the jump scares, I just felt like they were all so different. You had like a giant clown as a spider. You had the old lady turning into a fucking demonoid. You had the when they were at the Chinese restaurant. You had the like spiders that like had babies for heads, you had Stanley's head that turned into a spider, you had all that shit. Like, that's what I don't get. When people, when you have this wide variety of people, like, oh, they're all just kind of the same, CGI wasn't good. I'm like, every one of those unique creatures looked, like, unique and, like, I don't know, pretty well done in my opinion. Well, I'm not saying the CGI was bad. I'm just saying it just didn't scare me. It just looked, oh, okay. Besides, I'm pretty sure you said it was cheap a the, minute ago. The only, <laughs> well, I meant cheap as in, like, it didn't scare me. It felt like they didn't Oh, hard okay. Enough. Um, I don't know. That I don't might know. Be the I definitely, there was, I mean, there was definitely jump scares, but I think they were creepy in the way they looked. I mean, like at the Chinese restaurant when you had like the little creatures with the babies for heads and like the way, like the old lady when she like morphed into that like big demonic thing, you didn't think that was creepy? Oh, no, the trailer, I think, hyped up nah, that moment. Well. It was using the trailer, right? This, not the entire thing. Like, no, not little, the entire thing, right? Yeah. So we didn't, in the trailer, we didn't know who this monster was. Okay, so for the people who don't know, uh, in chapter two, they had a stranger where uh, Beth was her name. Uh, I'm very bad with names and like <laughs> shows. I'm horrible. Uh-huh. Okay, so female I protagonist. Yes. Um, in the trailer, she goes back home to revisit it for whatever reason, and there's a new occupant. The occupant happens to be it, the clown. Um, and he morphs in this old lady and chases her in this really creepy fashion, and we don't know what it is from the trailer. When the movie, they finally revealed it what it was and it was an old lady demon thing <laughs> yeah it was like an old lady demon thing and so in the trailer it was it was hyped up for me I'm like oh what kind of monster could this be what kind of fear could this be and I just kind of saw it and thought that's not all that creepy 
don't know, man. Yeah, I guess it's a personal thing, but to me, I thought, I don't know. It's it, When people complain about that, I'm just like, what more could you want from a movie? I don't get it. Like, I just don't get, like, what more. Like, it had variety. The stuff was, like, it had good jump scares. It was, like, creepy the way it looked. It was well-designed. Like, it's obviously scary. Like, fear is, like, a subjective thing. I just don't know what more people could want. Like, what was the creature that would make you think, oh, my God, that's totally freaked me out. Maybe if they designed it in a different way, right? Um, but, but like could how though? I mean, like it's hard to say. Just like if you like designed it differently, but like I mean, that's the it? thing. That's that's the thing. You're right. Is that a lot of things, a lot of designs for horror movies uh-huh. are subjective. So yeah. like for example, if I, I, I what scares me and freaks me out is like the pale face from the grudge. Right. That's something that would like freak me out at the end of the hallway or something. But if I see like a monster at the end of the hallway, pretty much from it. Uh-huh. I'm not going to be afraid. Okay, that's um, fair. Okay. If you're saying... So it's just, like, a personal preference and, like, what's scary. I'm not saying it's, like, the scariest thing I ever saw, but, like, when people just kind of dismiss it, they're like, oh, wasn't that scary? Like, that's the part where I'm just, like, you got to acknowledge that, like, even if you weren't scared by it, the scares were well done. Um... I don't know if it's like one of those things where it's like I've watched. So John, many we can't movies. talk about movies. When we talk about movies, you piss me off because you dismiss like every well done movie. You're just like, oh, this wasn't well, well done. Well, that's the thing is that I don't think. Okay, well, objectively, I think they tried their hardest. <laughs> I think they put it. I think they, we they, gotta stop talking about movies, John. You, you trigger me when you talk about movies. Effort. You sound like the, the most entitled time, fan on Twitter. At the same time, it was typing just away like, about how the movie. Made, oh, we made this movie like an after school special. That's what it ultimately came down to. And that's what it felt like. This is going to go back to our Avengers debate about how much work it takes to put it into a movie and how I feel like you just don't appreciate any of that. All right. I will say two redeeming things I did like about this movie. Okay. Bill Hader. Oh, three. The comedy (laughs) aspect. Yes. Comedy was like the stupid humor of people bantering back and forth, which is why I like the most recent Predator movie Mm -hmm. Um, because it was a very bro movie of just like meatheads and just like cussing and swearing at each other, right? See, that's funny you like the Predator movie, because I actually heard pretty bad things about that movie. <laughs> oh, it's one of those... Okay, so people took it critically. They're like, what yeah. kind of plot was this? Uh, this is trash. There's no, like, character development. This is all just, like, macho, like, one-sided, very stereotypical action movie. Well, I heard that, but I just heard the story wasn't that good. Like, it felt... Like, somebody reviewed it, and they kind of had a funny description for it. They said that, uh... The way it felt, it felt like the director, you know, like when you're directing something, the director has a clear vision, the writers have a clear vision, and then studios interfere and say, we think it needs more of this, we think it needs more of that. They felt like the director had a clear vision, and then the studios kept interfering and interfering, and after a certain point, the director was just like, all right, fuck it, I'll take every, like, pit of critique I'm getting right now and do whatever you guys say, and just gave into it, and it just felt, like, not Um, very cohesive and all over the place. So, it's kind of like Iron Man 3, you know how I hate (laughs) Iron Man 3? We're just gonna keep getting in this tangent and bringing up other movies. So, it made the switch, right? So, with Predator, they had, like, kind of a plot twist... And it was kind of just like, okay, I changed the entire direction of the movie. And so it totally had me until they had that plot twist. And I was like, all right, debatable, debatable. But hey, if you turn off your brain for this movie, it's enjoyable. Like, you can't think about it. We just went from It Chapter 2 to Predator Iron Man 3. (laughs) Yeah, so that's how I perceived Predator, which is why I was able to enjoy it. So, like, in that sense. So with... So you liked it for, like, the action and the effects? For Predator, yes. For It, I liked it for the humor. Okay. Well, not what, would you, what would you rate it overall? Scale 1 to 10? 5 or 6. What? Oh my god, John. We need to stop talking about movies. You just okay. disregard every good Can movie. Can I tell about no the appreciation qualities of this movie? No, because you give it a 5 All or right. 6. What the fuck Another is that? Spoiler. I give that a 9. Another spoiler. I give it a 9. There's a little kid. He's trapped in a fun house. Uh, one of the lead protagonists tries to go and save him, right? And then, so James it becomes McElroy. this... 
this, so he's trapped between two mirrors. It, the clown's on one end. James McAvoy. McAvoy is on the other end, right? And they're both trying to break the glass. Uh, James McAvoy can't break it through, whereas it, he's just ramming his head into the glass, and eventually he pauses one moment, just smashes through, and just eats the kid in one bite. That, I think, was a very good scene. I really think we should have, like, warned more about spoilers. I feel like we're just, like, dumping the biggest spoiler secrets right off the bat. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert for the last 30 seconds. <laughs> um, yeah, what wasn't, well, wasn't wrong with that scene, though? No, I like that scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you like the- they had moments where I really did enjoy it. And uh, okay, okay. So I have a friend. She's going to watch it next week. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait. Uh, this is going to be so creepy. I love the creep factor. It's going to be great. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, you got to realize you have to throw out the book. And she's like, yeah, I'm well aware of that. Yeah. Of course I know that. And I'm like, okay. And I'm not going to say anything else. Because when she said, oh my gosh, I thought this movie is going to be great because it's creepy, not scary. I just thought, that was actually a cute movie. <laughs> I just don't get how you call it cute after all this because shit that happened. Because it felt like an after school special. The last five minutes, sure. Just last positive feelings of... We have to overcome our fears. You realize you're talking about the last five minutes of the movie compared to all the other No, it's like throughout the movie. No, it was all about... It was throughout the movie of tackling themes. It was about... And also poor character developments. (laughs) Uh, Oh, character development. Let me get on that after you say the point. Continue, continue. I'm letting you speak. I'm having a hard time not not throttling you right now. Would you like me to... No, because I know if I say something, you're going to shove... You're going to... Ugh. Say it. No, I'm not going to say anything, and I'm just going to move on to the next You're point. You're triggering me, Jeff. No, um, what you call it? No, I, uh, I can't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> so we should he, just... He's that triggered, M. Fendi. <laughs> I'm just heated. I just, uh, I love that movie so much. Do you need a hug? No. <laughs> Are you sure? I really need to take a breath and move on. Do you on. need to punch my face in? No, I'm just, uh... Continue. Why, what, was, what did you like a lot about this movie? Well, I, okay, the point, the last point you brought up was that it was too happy. Dude, you're talking about the last five minutes of the movie when they got, like, very sentimental and, like, on a bright note where things are happy and, like, everyone's in a good place. The whole movie, yes, it's talking about confronting fears. Why is that, a ha- why is that like, a sentimental happy thing? Like, that's every horror movie. Every horror movie is about fear and, like, trying to... I've, obviously, you're trying to overcome it, Wait, but... Not every movie is about overcoming fear. It involves fear and no, dealing like, with it yeah, in some way. It comes, sure. <laughs> but like the very constant okay continue. see this is what I'm saying that you continue, do when continue. I try to talk you do this continue uh, alright alright it's about fear so every horror movie involves fear in some way and if you're not obviously if you're dealing with fear and overcoming it's gonna be a big thing so you're talking about pretty much every horror movie on a big scale and if it's not overcoming it you're dealing with it or succumbing to it so that's not like that message in itself isn't like a sentimental message it's like it's just the nature of horror movies, and then the actual end of it, that's, I will admit, that's when it got a little, like, sentimental and, like, nice, but before that, it was pretty much all just, like, a well-done story that had, like, had range and variety and a good amount of scares, in my opinion. So, anything I say with regards to that, you're going to be upset because I strongly <laughs> disagree with everything you say about No, it's only when you interrupt um, me. So, moving on to the next topic <laughs> of poor character development. So, the movie, spoiler alert, James McAvoy was initially the, uh, the protagonist. His childhood counterpart was the protagonist of the first one. Yes. Like the lead protagonist. But in this one, he was definitely character-wise a lot weaker in the sense of he was falling for its traps and such. Um, and so there's another character that kind of stepped up and you just show... He, they showed 
glimpse of him like really rising up to the challenge. And I forgot what his name was. Um, Bill, I think. Is his name Bill? It's the one that had like the mommy issues. Oh, oh, Eddie. Eddie. Yeah. Um. So that character had moments of like, oh my gosh, he overcame his fears. He was able to challenge it. Uh, like going back on the whole rising the challenge. Great character development. Last second, gets killed. Spoiler, gets killed. And then basically it became another whole, we cannot let his death be in vain kind of thing, which is that uh, more of that feel good kind of thing. And so it was, wow, we had such a great character build up and it kind of just, they dropped the ball on him very last minute and said, yeah, we're just going to kill him off. I mean, that's what happened in the book though. So that's not really a knock on the movie itself. That's a knock on the like actual stories that itself was written. And that's exactly what happened in the book pretty much, except for he got, he died a little (laughs) bit of a different way, but that's, I think the way you're interpreting it as being sentimental is, you know how I mentioned it is just a very good story that like used like elements of horror and scare. I think that's how I compartmentalize it, where you compartmentalize it as like a feel good movie to me. That's just, it was it like that. It did have like feel good moments, but it wasn't the entire movie. I think because to me, I didn't feel fear at all at any point in the movie. Yeah. Besides the jump scares, well, psychopath job. Kind of thing <laughs> is that like okay, well, I didn't fear the movie. There's no element of it that scares me, so therefore, it just felt like a positive slash comedic movie. I mean, minus the people that got their faces. Yeah, minus the four and five year old that died. <laughs> And were killed by an alien clown. <laughs> I'm just saying, those are good parts. The way they killed, the way they but I'm saying, those scenes, I'm saying it's a hard... It's built attention. I'm saying it's they hard to... Par- and the way they filmed it was like, oh my gosh, great parallelism between like good and evil trying to like just save this one innocent thing. Like I said, they did have a couple I'm of redeeming saying, qualities, but overall I just felt... I'm saying... All right. I think we're saying a few different things. You're saying it's a feel-good movie, and now you're saying it feels alright. I'm saying it's hard to say it's a feel-good movie when two four and five year olds died. I was actually talking to my brother about this today and he was like, I asked him about his opinion on the first one. He was like, like genuinely affected by like the kid dying. Like he didn't want to see the second one if it had more of it. Cause he has a kid now too. And it really got to him to the point where I, like he asked me, like I could tell him like how many kids died in this one. And I told him to a different scene. And he's like, I don't think I could actually see it. Like just cause it hit him that hard. So I think like it's, that's why it's hard for me to say it's like a feel good movie when like that kind of stuff happens, you know? And it wasn't just that. It was, like, the other horrific stuff, like, characters did die. Like, a guy commits suicide just because he's afraid of going back to a town. And then a friend gets stabbed in the, like, abdomen by a giant clown spider. Like, that's why, like, dark stuff like that to me, like... Okay, so in the beginning, spoiler, a character did... <laughs> I think we can take spoiler alert away suicide. from that. We've already spoiled everything about the movie. Uh, and we've said this in the most, like, non-linear way. We're just... <laughs> yeah, so in the beginning the of the movie, one of the characters original main lead protagonist whatever yes did commit suicide and so I felt oh my gosh he's just that scared it has it the clown just has that much power yeah oh my gosh but then at the end when they did the whole note writing thing this could be part of the book or not I don't it's actually not they didn't do the book it was pretty dark in the book they were just like yeah he killed himself (laughs) oh wait till I get to that part anyways um so anyways so I just thought oh my gosh how dark but then at the end as I uh, reiterate, he wrote letters to his friends to say, hey, this effectively was a rallying call to you guys because I know that I don't have the balls to go in back to town. I just straight up and off myself because we all need to be at 100, right? Mm-hmm. And our group is only strong as our weakest link. Mm-hmm. And so, sure, that was honorable. 
But then again, it was, oh, from this really dark, fearful, like, storytelling to sunshine, rainbows, and happiness. Like, <laughs> it just hi guys, I if just, you read this letter, congrats, you're alive. By the way, I did this as a way to just get you guys going, really. Okay, I will admit, okay. So I won't say that sunshine, rainbows, and happiness. I, can't, <laughs> I just can't understand how but you get that. Sunshine... And that's about it. I just don't get how you get that exaggerated with how happy of a movie it was. But I will admit, they did kind of force, like, his letter being, like, his suicide note being, like, this positive rallying cry for them to, like, do good. And, like, in the book, for sure, like, the way he died, it was, like, a dark subject and there was no silver lining. He just died. So. Did you read the book? No, I Wikipedia'd it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Good enough. But, um, yeah, and I saw a few videos, like, contrasting the book with, uh. The movie. Okay, that I would like to see if you can send me a link. But, um, so I've read interviews with the directors and writers. Yeah. I think it was like two or three people involved. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, Stephen King did give us a lot of good notes. Yeah. We didn't take any of it. <laughs> he was in the movie, though. Oh my gosh. Another so, spoiler alert. Another good thing I really did love about the banter between Stephen King and James McAvoy. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant. I was dying. I'm sure I was like one of like three people in the theater that like understood who that was. <laughs> I think so? Was, Everyone in my theater, I think, was like, had a collective like, silent. I can only hear my laughter. Yeah. Um, Christine? Yes? Did you think everyone in our theater was like reacting to Stephen King being in it? Yes, but we had a very vocal audience. You think so? Yeah. Uh, I think I was just so into the movie, I didn't notice. I went to opening night and it was like, quiet. It pissed you off because they were so vocal, remember? Well, yeah, that the scene when one of the kids got deemed, like, people next to us were laughing, I was just like, dude, how fucked up can you be? This is the most, like, tragic scene of the movie, and you're laughing. Oh, I was laughing, I think I won the test. Uh, um, and so, where was I going? Oh, yeah, so. This is going to be our last podcast, Joe, was just pissing me off so much, triggering which, me. Which I didn't <laughs> like about it is when I heard that the, uh, it sounded like the book could have been better. The book was better than the actual You think movie. the book was better? No, I've never read the book. Oh. But from like the interviews that I read of like the di- the creative direction that the writer and directors took, instead of following like uh, Stephen King's notes or book or whatever, yeah. any of his suggestions, including his book, yeah. including the source material, I just thought, wow, okay, the movie I felt like had so much more potential to be more creepy, more dark, more actually like oh this actually would feel more like a horror movie. So that's why I think I have some grief right now with the. So initially, I thought I was pretty indifferent with the movie. Yes. I was like, okay, I enjoyed it well enough. It was entertaining. The pure essence of entertainment, that was entertaining. And then I read, like, interviews with the director and writer. That's when I thought, you're the ones that made these creative choices. Now I have beef with you. I don't know. Like, well, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. Like, I think the book is intentionally supposed to be super dark because it's Stephen King. And, like, that's just kind of his memo and what he does. But... I think the movie, they tried to make it more accessible and, like, draw on the deeper, darker elements and kind of do the trend that's kind of happening right now with your, like, strange things and even, like, the movie we saw, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, where you have a group of kids and they kind of go through, um, a, you know, some type of supernatural misadventure and, uh, deal with some crazy, creepy shit going on and, uh, it, it seemed like they were really trying to draw out that Stranger Things vibe. And make it a little more, you know, public-friendly for people instead of being as dark as the book actually is. I mean, like, I guess if, if, like, if that's what you're looking for, I guess I could see why you weren't as happy with the adaptation. If you're looking for something, like, strictly more dark, because the book is that, but I don't know. I think it might just be a difference in what we're looking for. 
I think also because like when I walked in, like I, I told you, my friend said that. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna watch this because it's creepy, and I'm like, either I have way higher tolerance for creepiness, <laughs> and I should be like on creepy pasta or something like that, <laughs> or um, or yeah, no, they just took a different creative direction, and I just didn't really fathom nor understand why they did that. Um, so yeah, I mean. I was initially indifferent, saw the direction they took with it, why they took with it, and I just fundamentally disagree with almost everything that the directors and writers <laughs> chose to do. I thought it would be such a good idea for us to not talk about the movie before going on the podcast, and I think this <laughs> absolutely backfired where I was just completely shocked and frankly enraged by Jaws' opinions, and I'm having a hard time doing this podcast with him right now. Did you like the movie? <laughs> I did like it, yeah. Are you triggered and offended with me? No. <laughs> I like her. She doesn't know you. She, doesn't, she sounds like a keeper. She doesn't know you well enough. <laughs> she sounds like a keeper. Give it a few episodes. You'll see. <laughs> oh, dear. For our <laughs> no, I'm really not that offended. Honestly. For our listeners, we have a special guest who will be, I guess, in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to intro her, but you cut me off. Vince, uh, who is she? It's my girlfriend. You want to make an appearance? You sound a little bit ashamed of me. <laughs> yeah, actually, the mic didn't really pick up a lot of that. <laughs> no, I'm embarrassed. It picked up the sink louder than I'm when you said that. I'm embarrassed to, uh, I don't know, talk about my personal life. I'm very mm. proud of it. Even though you did a whole episode on dating? Yeah, but I said the same thing when I briefly brought you up. I was like, oh, yeah, I have a girlfriend. <laughs> I'm just saying, the mic is very quiet. The sound thing, level thing, it's very <laughs> small. Do you want to have your first celebrity appearance on the podcast? Um, I think I accidentally already <laughs> made it. Well, let's really establish it. Let's tell us three fun facts about yourself. Oh no, Vince! If you don't want to, <laughs> what you are can. You, doing to me? you can. You can just chime in whenever you want. Uh, let's see. Three fun facts. I liked it too, but not <laughs> as much as Vince. I live in this apartment, and I'm Vince's girlfriend. <laughs> Alright, that's pretty fun, I guess. She's got you there. Alright, <laughs> right, moving on. Alright, so any concluding Bye. thoughts about it? Bye! Uh, no, I think we should move on to the next topic. <laughs> Alright, for our, list, our loyal 7 to 9 listeners and their 3 subscribers, Vince is very offended. And you know what it is, honestly? I'm just really scatterbrained and then I kind of keep zoning out and then I, when I don't have a thought to think, I just think I'll be mad at John. Because <laughs> when in doubt, be mad, arguments are somewhat entertaining to listen to. Alright, okay, so real talk, sidetrack. Um, I have friends that I drink with, and some of them, when they get drunk for some reason, they get violent with specifically just me. <laughs> and it's weird, because like everyone else, they're just like super nice and super chill, and they see me, they're just like, yeah, screw you, dude. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, I didn't say anything. <laughs> Well, I've been a drug around you a few times. I don't think I have that, so... Luckily, I'm not that type. When I'm sober, I'm mad at you. Just not drunk. <laughs> but, yeah, but right now, when you're scattered brain and, I guess, borderline brain dead, you <laughs> secretly hate me. Yeah. That's kind of a usual state of mind for me, borderline brain dead. Right, but so let's move on to our main topic, Joe. I'm going to try to up the energy a little bit. Um, you're the only one that's a Debbie Downer right now. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm actually the positive one. <laughs> Saying how much you hated the movie I loved. I didn't say I hate it, I just hate the directors and the writers. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyways, our topic at hand. What's our topic, Joe? Uh, something about concerts or something. 
<laughs> yeah, concerts. That's the topic. The actual topic. Uh, we did no prep like usual, and we're just going to wing in and talk about uh, concerts we like. Concerts I did a mental prep like. of 45 seconds. Excuse me. What's that? I did a mental prep of 45 seconds. <laughs> excuse me. It's more than usual. Uh, cool. So, uh, why don't you kick us off? Here's right. your uh, suggestion. Why don't we split this up? We'll talk about... We'll trade it off. So we can do a favorite concert, least favorite concert. Um, what makes it... We'll start it out. What makes a good concert, Jack, for you? Uh, that was going to be my concluding point. Um, no, we're starting it off with that. Oh, you threw me off. I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> my, 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 my thought train has just crashed into a mountain of more thoughts. I don't know what's going with that analogy. Anyways, so I think what makes a good concert is I think it could be the most terrible performance. It could be the worst light show. Like there could be like technical issues, but I think if they're playing music that you can sing along and you genuinely like, mm-hmm. then that makes a great show. It could be like the most out of the way concert for you. Uh, it could have costed anywhere between twenty dollars to a thousand dollars, but if it had just Two components. One, you can sing along to most of the songs, and you genuinely love the band. Then it makes a great concert. Well, I, it might be a little bit of semantics for me, because like, yes, like I don't like if you obviously liking the songs is a huge thing. If like a band does a set list of like fifteen to twenty songs that like you know every song and it's like the perfect combination of songs, you forget that you know and like songs that you like expected to hear they play it. That's awesome. I don't know if that makes a great concert per se. Objectively, it makes it more like fun for you and kind of like personalized for what you like so that's one element that helps to like increase your experience but objectively speaking i don't know if that alone makes it a great concert well yeah that's the reason why i want to say this for last after i announce like my favorites and <laughs> i like my favorite concert and my least favorite concert okay fair enough it's like even though i did like i did love a lot of the bands right mm-hmm. yeah uh, and then when i saw them live it was I feel like i was born in the wrong era or not era but it's like oh i wish i saw them earlier now that I saw them now, I probably could have enjoyed them more earlier than I do mm. now. What because band of the songs is this that they're selecting. What band is this you're teasing? I think if it's it's a lot of them. Like one maybe Green Day. I felt like really? oh, if I went to American Idiots back then in high school, I uh-huh. probably would have enjoyed them then more so than they are now. You think so? I feel I like so. they haven't changed that much. Well that's the thing, is that in like, terms of their live of performance. S- I'm just talking about the songs. Oh the songs you mean like the set list with the oh. set list. So oh, okay. Why. Yeah, it's true. I mean, bands sometimes do do, like, like 10th anniversary of an album where they'll play the whole thing through, though. Yeah, so I did enjoy uh, NOS State Blink-182's 20, 20th anniversary tour. Yeah, yeah, another concert you recently saw. I did enjoy that, but the issue... I, I, I enjoyed it, but it was, oh, wow, I noticed that a lot of people don't know a lot of these songs. That's kind of sad. <laughs> why are you even here? Um... But then, like, uh, if I went to Blink's other album tours, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it more. Would not have enjoyed it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing. So, I'm trying to think of what's another one. Weezer. I saw Weezer at Idiot Fest uh, a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. And I think they were promoting their newest album. I didn't like it as much. I liked their, um, when we were in high school, Red Album, Ratitude. Mm-hmm. I liked those albums better. But obviously they're not playing a lot of those songs anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, well, I probably would have enjoyed them better then than I do now. Like, I'll definitely enjoy the classics because every band always hits their greatest hits. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's why it's the compo- that's why I said the components of if I know most of the songs and I enjoy the band, mm-hmm. it makes for a great concert. 
if I can't, then it just makes for an okay concert. Well, for me. Yeah, I think that's like so. I think that's a subjective thing that like everybody wants them. I think what you're saying is like it has to be the time period that the band's good and they have to play like songs that you like. Like that makes one thing that would be nice to have at the concert. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I agree with that. Um, for me, well, one of the few times you actually do agree with me. <laughs> we agree most times. You ass hat. <laughs> I like it when I try to like appease you. That's when you slide in the insults. <laughs> oh my gosh, I really want to watch Dragon Ball Broly again. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, what what makes a good? Why did that for randomly you? come? <laughs> I was watching a video for it earlier today. It was like their honest review of it. Oh, okay. And it was Seth the programmer. Uh, huh. And I was just I saw the review and I'm like I just want to rewatch the movie again. <laughs> That's fair. You can't Moving on. You probably do that when you get home. Um, yeah, I don't know. For a good concert for me, I'd say. It has to be, usually, like, sound is the biggest thing, so there have been concerts I've seen where, like, the sound quality is the kind of deciding factor, like, Rise Against, my favorite band, right? Sure. So, when I listen to them on record, like, sounds perfect, like, just, like, the perfect mixing, and then you get a very clear and ingrained memory of, like, what the songs should sound like. There, despite being my favorite band, there have been times where the sound just sounds, like, not with it. Like, the, the you can tell they're playing well, but the mixing's just off, like... The bass is too loud, the guitars are like fuzzy, it's not clear, so I think the mixing has to be good and everything has to sound clear and in a, like, just a very, like, audible, like, good, <laughs> I don't know, just resonant sounding way where you feel the vibrations when the drum hits, it really hits you in the chest, it's loud enough, all the, like, you can hear every instrument that's being played, like, clearly and audibly, um... Yeah, so I think that right off the bat, that's the most important thing that has to sound professionally done. There have been times where it sounds either too quiet or too loud, and that kind of kills it a little bit. And it partially depends on where you're standing, you know? Like, if you're too... Like, have you ever been, like, in the very front row of a concert? Yes. Yeah. So, like, usually it's fun, but I feel like the sound kind of sucks when you're at the very front. Have you noticed that? I don't know. My eardrums were being blown out. <laughs> it was a Lincoln Park, uh, not so silent night. night. Yeah, it's uh, funny. We were at the same concert. Yeah, there's at least two or three concerts. <laughs> before we met, where were we at? We were at together. Yeah. But this is like three years before we met. Yeah, it's true. We just have such similar tastes. It's probably all like pop punk for the most part, too, huh? I definitely know. That's the Silent Night 2014 and Sum 41 2015 2016. Yeah. Uh, definitely those two. There might be more. You did the Not So Silent Night with Green Day, too, right? Right at the fire in Oakland? Yes. Yeah, there you go. That's like, like three. Four. At least three. <laughs> yeah. You hear that, audience? Three. We are destined to be friends. <laughs> Despite all the disagreements we have over horror movies. <laughs> this creates a better debate and yeah, a better exactly. topic for exactly. We're in like loyal less than ten people <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. So, right, so, what's your favorite band? What was your favorite concert? I mean, favorite concert ever. Uh, definitely Metallica. Second show I ever saw. I've seen them about five times. Recently didn't see them. They actually played with uh, the FSF Symphony, and I'm really gutted that I didn't go because it sounded awesome. It was... Uh, the was it most recently at the Chase Center? Yeah, it was actually the concert that opened the Chase Center. I told you you should have gone. <laughs> I think I did tell you about it, and you are like, nah. Oh, you definitely did not tell me about no, it. Do you know what out. a big Metallica fan I no, am, No, I remember. I sent it to you, and you are like, nah. Oh, my God, you're not listening. I knew about that shit the second it was released, and then, like, three months later, you probably were like, oh, hey, Metallica, are playing. Yeah, I probably <laughs> That's what I'm that. trying to say. You didn't tell me about it. I do. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Do you know what a big Metallica fan I am? I reminded you to go, to reevaluate your life choices and go check it out. <laughs> 
I kind of wish I did. I almost wish I would have spent the 225 flat fee that I saw for tickets for it. Wait, seriously? Damn, that's expensive. Yeah, that's, I mean, well, it's kind of like a once in a like lifetime. Not, what? It sounds cheesy saying once in a lifetime, but it doesn't often happen. You know, Metallica playing with the SF Symphony, and like, it's cool, especially because first opening night of the brand new fancy stadium. Exactly. Yeah, and like they they I probably would have done. Did you know the story behind it too? The stadium. Well, the like them playing with this. I thought it was just because they're SF native. That's why. Well, partially, but in the '90s, they actually released an album called S and M. Okay. Symphony Metallica, and uh, it was the same thing where they played with like an SF Symphony doing the orchestra to their parts, and the only thing was at the time Metallica, you're not that big of a Metallica fan, right? Not as much as you know. Yeah, but so the, and the thing about Metallica is any like big fan would know they go through stages. So they started off like really intense, like like obviously thrash, speed metal, and then in the '90s they kind of went through more like experimental mellow phase, and that's when they did this album. So they weren't like at their like most heavy stage so when they it's kind of bittersweet because it's a cool concept you know playing your like playing your songs like heavy metal obviously and then playing with like an orchestra it's not something you typically hear so it's a cool contrast but the only like like bittersweet thing about it was they weren't like at their heaviest at the time that was when they were kind of sounding like more like bluesy and like alternative and it wasn't them like at the metallica that a lot of people like you know the fast heavy stuff but like, 20 years later, they got back to the heavy stuff, so now they're playing like they did back in the day and, like, playing the more extreme stuff, and now they're doing it again. So that was kind of cool about it. And the fact that it was, like, an anniversary of um, the time they did the concert event 20 years ago, that was also kind of cool. And just... it's And the fact that it's in San Francisco. It's, like, Metallica's known as a Bay Area band, so that's even more cool. And just the fact that it's opening the Chase Center, this new arena, that would have been pretty legendary. So that's why it came out to 225 Fluffy. That's kind of classy that they gave the first opportunity to Metallica, though. What? That's kind of classy that they did give it to Metallica, though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I think that's pretty good. I think they're Bay Area heroes. It's, like, one of the most iconic, like, bands you think of when you think of Well, the, no, the reason why I say that is, especially given now that rock is on the, in quote-unquote, decline in terms of respect to modern music. Yeah. Because a lot of people are into, like, auto-tune and hip-hop and all that other bullcrap that we said <laughs> in our Mumble rap. podcast. About <laughs> Your favorite uh, genre. we hate. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot, like, it's like, um... I don't know some letter rapper artist pop person's name, G Easy or something or Bossy oh, yeah. or whatever the hell. It's like yeah. from Oakland. They're like, oh my gosh, they're Barry native, blah blah blah. S- girls screeching at the top of their lungs going Coachella. Um, yeah, so I'm just like, oh wow, they actually gave it to a now these days lesser known band, lesser popular band, um, and given that respect and like, hey, you're Barry native. How about you open up uh, to this brand new arena, which obviously we built to make more money, blah, blah, and such. I thought it was so kind of cool. Were, what were you saying just then? No, I just thought it was kind of cool. It's like they could have done oh, it. Oh, yeah, they could have done it. Bay to like, Area Native or something. Yeah. Hey, do you want to christen the new uh, stadium? No, we're going to give it to a heavy metal band. Yeah. And throw in the SF Symphony because... Just why Whatever not. you just said, and because why Because it's basically the 20th anniversary. Yeah, okay. That's cool. Yeah, so no, that's I agree with that. That yeah. is cool. They, like, gave it to a band like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious what the Chase Center is going to look like, too. Do you think it'll go? That's the thing. So, like, on my birthday is going to be the very first preseason Warriors basketball game against yeah, the Lakers. Nice. Happy early and, birthday. Oh, thank you. I thought about going, but... Right age of 33, right? Right age of 21 forever. <laughs> forever 21. Whatever. Actually, we're going bankrupt. Um, <laughs> the preseason tickets usually go for, like, depending on the team, right? It's preseason. Now the Stars are playing. Who the hell is going to go, right? Yeah. 
Oh, this one's going to be like three to five hundred dollars for preseason for here. Preseason, very first game because Warriors are christening their first like the first game of the arena. Yeah, and huh. so I am no longer going because I ain't going to pay three to five hundred dollars <laughs> for tickets. You can get a gift. It's your birthday. Just get a really good friend too. I would literally would prefer that money be given to me, so I can buy something else. <laughs> That's or fair. make the down payment on my car. <laughs> Not the down payment, uh, the monthly payment on my car. Um, the down payment on my car that I'm just driving and I haven't paid for. <laughs> yeah, so, um, alright, my favorite all-time concert of all time, <laughs> uh, I would say it's Not So Silent Night 2014, where it was one of my first rock concerts where I'm going to see bands that I genuinely love. Mm-hmm. And that was my very first time where I saw... Um, I'm Rise Against, Fall Out Boy, and Linkin Park. Mm-hmm. For our faithful, faithful listeners, <laughs> I've never mentioned this before, <laughs> but if you know me well enough, Linkin Park is my all-time favorite band, mm-hmm. and so it's my first time ever seeing them, high-fiving Mike Shinoda, because I managed to get to the very front. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah, That's so I managed cool. to get to the front, Mike Shinoda's like on the fence, and I can see like security just hanging onto his shirt to make sure that he doesn't <laughs> fall in, and he's just kind of saying... Screw you guys, I'm gonna go say hi to everybody, right? <laughs> and I like high fived them and everything. Yeah. Um so yeah, so that's like my all time favorite. I think I got a pick from uh one of the guitarists in Rise Against, because they're just throwing out stuff. Oh, that's cool. Wow, I'm pretty yeah. jealous of that almost. Because that's my favorite band for anyone who knows Rise Against. Yeah, and it was my first time in a mosh pit. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of like I'm like a lot of firsts. Yeah. And like I've seen like other bands before. Um yeah, I saw One Republic bef- a few months before <laughs> One that. Republic, huh? I enjoyed them. I re- and I went to the album that I liked the most. Okay. I think it was like... Were they good live? I liked them. I enjoyed them. Okay, um, fair enough. I enjoyed the light show and stuff, but yeah. this was like the concert scene, my all-time favorite band with two other bands I do love. Yeah. Uh, not as much, but still. So that's why it was my favorite. A lot of firsts. I wish I bought merch. I didn't have money because I was still in college and I was surviving <laughs> off that financial aid money. Hashtag thank you, federal and California. Wait, State so company. you were in Davis when you went? Yeah, so... So that's a drag, too. Yeah, so I remember it was, like, the week before finals, uh, last day of class, and then I told my uh, friend... So I was in charge of food, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go pick up cars juniors because I'm right next to... The, my class is right next to it. You just pick me up at this parking lot. We'll eat while I drive down. Like, we hauled ass right after class, and we got in and caught the, I think, like, second song of, like, Walk the Moon. Oh, okay. So yeah, they were good. So they were solid. They were popular at the time with uh, Anna Sun and, uh, what's the other Shut song? Up and Dance. Yeah. Yeah, Shut Up and Dance with me. Um, yeah, so I saw some pretty solid bands and such. Yeah, it's true. Um... Yeah, <laughs> so uh, moving on, I think I'll give Least another favorite. pro. Oh, you want a young pro? <laughs> Least okay. favorite, huh? We can there. go. We can go list another thing we like. Okay. Or we can talk about and just crap talk. All right, I'll talk like. about something I like. Uh, another thing I like, and then we can go into least favorite concert. So another thing I like is uh, the favorite band that I saw, Metallica. One thing that they do really well is a big stage show. So I think stage show is a perfect example. That's something that really contributes and makes or breaks a band sometimes. Where. It's all, it's great seeing four guys just kind of randomly bash it. Four guys or girls, we're being, we're being equal opportunists here. Um, just bash it on their instruments and just play raw, like straight rock music or whatever music you're looking for. But at the same time, if you have like a cool effect going along with a good part of the song, that really does contribute and kind of make like a special moment sometime. 
for example, seeing Metallica uh, in 2008 when I was in high school, the one very memorable thing they did uh, was the very first song that they played was entirely dark, so you could barely see the band like at the screen. It was at the Oracle Arena, actually. And uh, completely black, can't see anything, and they have this like very Pink Floyd psychedelic light show going on. It's uh, you're only seeing like blue and green lights, but it's again very dark. You can't see the band at all. So the whole first song, you're only seeing the lights, and then as the song's going on, you're still into it. But um, at the very last moment of like a seven-minute song, that's when like they hit this note where it's just like that was just a boom, and then right as they hit the boom, all the lights go on. So it's the very first time the lights are on. So it's just like one of those moments. You're like whoa. And uh, in addition to that, they had other things like their album at the time was called Death Magnetic and the album cover had a coffin. So they had these four giant like prop coffins from the ceiling of the Oracle Arena that came down and like would spin around. Like, I don't even know how you get those kind of things like in an arena that because considering how big they were. Um, and then they also had a thing where when they played certain like really fast and heavy songs um, at like certain moments of the song when it would like a super strong heavy part would kick in they'd have like flame shoot out of their amplifier so you could like feel the heat like even if you were in the nosebleeds for a second so things like that can really contribute and make the experience pretty strong but uh yeah solid yeah (laughs) dude have you had any similar experiences with bands you've seen where they had like cool props that kind of contribute so funny thing you know the band or the group empire of the sun Yes. So I saw them in Last Asylum Night. Oh, okay. Uh, what year was that? Well, you don't have to get home. 2016, 2017. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Um, and so I their show very felt like Cirque du Soleil. Okay. And my friend and I, we Googled them and I was like, oh, they are actually like former, like they worked with Cirque du Soleil on stuff before. Mm-hmm. They got big. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. They have acrobats. They have pretty colors. They have these funny looking costumes. I fell asleep through their set, but um, you really fell asleep. Yeah, I fell. Asleep. I got I got seats. Oh, it was uh, or you actually like were unconscious during a show. <laughs> yeah, I fell asleep. I just sat there. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> and I woke up and like, oh hi, the song that I actually do recognize. And I like, wish I would have had that when I saw Fall Out Boy. <laughs> oh, you're not a fan of Fall Out Boy? Eh, not really. Not so well, much. I don't know. But that's why you're not going to the Hello Mega Tour. Yeah, that's another tour we recently talked about. It's Green Day, Weezer, and Fall Out Boy. Hella mega tour. Every millennial's dream. If you grew up between, yeah, actually, is nineteen ninety two and two thousand ten. Um, you think you're gonna go to that? That's the thing is that like I I'm afraid that tickets are going to be sold out, so yeah. I do want to do pre sale, and I do want to try getting nosebleeds. So I don't really shell out too much money. Uh-huh. But the issue right now is that Weezer, Green Day, and Fall Out Boy did release singles all on September tenth. Yes. I did not like a single one. <laughs> um, like, I felt like I probably could have enjoyed it. But you didn't it, hate like, the songs. They were just kind of neutral, right? Either. No, they're all just songs that I was like, I would not want to add this to my playlist unless I listen to it 10,000 more times. Then maybe it'll grow on to me yeah. and then I'll add it. But otherwise, right now, as it stands, I didn't enjoy it. I and thought the so- Green Day song could grow on me, though. It was like, it was, it, the thing that struck me, it was just so different, you know? Like, none of, usually they've been different before, there's always been a core Green Day song, but like you said before, like, I agree that it, like, it really doesn't feel like Green Day. Like, no. it really felt like a side project. It sounded like a completely different band. Yeah. That was very familiar, like, I've heard it in a commercial and I've heard it on the radio before, but I just can't remember what it was called. 
Well, the singer Billy Joe Armstrong has a bunch of side projects. It kind of sounds like a side project, Foxborough Hot Tubs. Have you heard of that one? No, I have not. It's like, they're a band that kind of sounds more similar to what he was doing on that song, so I'm kind of surprised that they did it there. And even, did you see the way they described it, described the album? How did they describe it? It's like, it kind of like, well, like I mentioned earlier, he got inspired by Kendrick Lamar, and uh, none of the songs are, like, political at all. They're not talking about Donald Trump or, like, the president or war or anything like that. They're, like... Really, it's like a throwback to like they're trying to like include like funk and Motown and shit in their songs, which is weird when you have a pop punk band. I don't know. It's cool that they're like experimenting. So they're going like different. foster the people. A little bit. I mean, honestly, that song kind of did sound. It did have a kind of alternative indie vibe, similar to Foster the People. Uh, I, I agree with the whole intern. Wait, anyways, uh, they're going that direction. Yeah. So that's my fear now is that because I didn't like a single one of the singles. Yeah. Like I didn't outright love it at all. Um, my fear now is that when they do release the album, I'm gonna I may dislike it. Yeah. And when I do buy tickets to this potentially sold out show because mm-hmm. it's Hella Mega Tour. Yeah. Literally four different bands. Fourth band is some random smaller band. Interrupters. Band. Yeah, I'm not familiar. They're with actually them. good. They're like Scott, but you don't like Scott. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's kind of like. I'm trying to cut my losses in the sense of buying nosebleed tickets, cheaper tickets. Mm-hmm. And just say my expectations low, probably be hyped for the greatest hits parts. Yeah. But then when they do their album stuff, I hope there's something I can enjoy. Yeah. I, well, I think even when bands have, like, released bad albums and I've seen them live, I feel like they they, are, they obviously still play the hits. It's not like they're not going to play the stuff yeah, that you yeah. like. So you'll still have a good time, I'm sure. And, it, like, even if their new stuff's different, I'm sure they don't sound so different that, like, them playing their old stuff doesn't sound good, you know? Yeah, so it's like, I'll definitely enjoy it. But I, it's like, oh, shit, I couldn't enjoy as much as I could have. Going back on what makes a concert enjoyable for me. Yeah, I um, get that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I guess you shared something you liked. I guess I'll share another positive thing. All right, so. <laughs> we're just feeling so optimistic in the second half. We were so dark this first half. We're trying to. I was happy. I said it was a happy movie. Anyways, moving on. So a band that <laughs> But I you were unhappy like, with how happy it was. <laughs> a band that I do like, but at the same time, I don't love a lot of their content is Simple Plan. Okay. And so I did see them my very first time at Warp Tour 2018. Uh-huh. And it was perfect because I only liked a few selected songs. And Warp Tour, they only had about, I think, a 15, 25 minute set. Mm-hmm. And so they played, obviously, their greatest hits. And it was all the ones that I liked. And yeah. what I love about the band is a lot of their songs. Well, the reason why a lot of people like pop punk, right, is mm-hmm. because it's like they're singing about something that they can relate to. Yes. That they can feel more connected with. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be like depression. Like wasting your time and being another casualty of society. <laughs> yeah, or like just basically feeling like you're inadequate or like these uh, issues with uh, society, right? Mm-hmm. And some plan is all their stuff I can really connect with. Okay. And the I'm lyrics like, sweet. You. Yeah. Okay. I'm like sweet. I'm singing along to the greatest hits, which is perfect. <laughs> and now on the flip side is because they have right now a tour coming up with, um, Soul Plan, State Champs, and I can't remember the third band. With the Kings. <laughs> and so my friend is trying to persuade me to go, and I just keep politely saying, I kind of don't want to because <laughs> it's a full on tour, full on like, they got their sets. It's going to be an hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I will probably enjoy that 30 minutes, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I really do enjoy their songs, or, and I did try to give them the honest effort, but 
Outside the Greatest Hits. Uh, so you're just yeah, saying yeah. the songs they play won't appeal to you much. Yeah, they won't really appeal to me yeah. much, which is why I can't go to their concert. Yeah. Well, like, I feel like it would be a waste of time to me. I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes it's just, if there's a band I like, I almost like wish I could just know the set list they're playing in advance. And there is a website. Shameless plug. Setlist. Setlist.fm. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah that usually if like a band's doing a tour and like you kind of check their like patterns. If they, oh, absolutely. All the You time. can see like the same... If you see the same songs like every single night, you can be pretty confident that they're probably going to play that same set list like when you see them and if it's a good set list then it's cool because you know what to expect and some people have heard like don't like that some people like like to be surprised when you hear a song but i don't know i actually yeah. like like knowing in advance like knowing, like okay here it is here it's coming you know like yeah i like to know in advance especially it's like okay i know how much you gauge my enjoyment when i get there it's like oh i hope they play this one song i hope they play this one song they don't play that one song yeah like fall boy my favorite song with fall boy they're probably not going to play because it's one of their lesser-known songs. What is it? Uh, Where'd the Party Go? Oh, yeah. I like that song. Oh, hey. Yeah. Um, so I really do enjoy that song. It's my favorite song. They're probably never going to play at another concert again because it's one of their older songs. No, they never know. That is always cool when they play an obscure song you don't expect. The only time... Usually, I feel like every band I've seen, like... I feel like a, a good band has to acknowledge that they have to play their biggest songs, you know, sometimes. Like, if they don't play... Like, their biggest hit, they know, like, fans are going to be disappointed. Not happy <laughs> right. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only time that happened was, uh, you don't listen to Bad Religion, do you? I don't know who they are. Yeah. But you don't listen to them at all? Uh, there's a couple of songs I do like. So they have, like, one of their biggest, it's not their biggest song, but one of their biggest songs that I like. They play, because it's a punk band, punk bands usually play, like, you know, their songs are all, like, two minutes long, so they'll play, like... 20 or 30 songs if they're headlining. Yeah. They played it? like 25 songs they didn't play the one that I really wanted to hear. What was it? 21st Century Digital Boy. Oh, I like that song. You actually know it? I know that song, yeah. Okay, there you Good go. Song. No, yeah. that, wasn't that one of their hits? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's yeah. not the biggest one, but it's like top five, I'd say, at least. And they didn't play it. I was like, I couldn't believe it, but... Uh, yeah, I'm surprised then. Yeah, I saw them like six years later and they played it, so I was vindicated. But, uh... Fun fact too. This uh, did you know the prof- the singer is a professor, a grad student professor in evolution. Oh wow! Yeah, nice. at UCLA. <laughs> Can you imagine that you're pre- like you just take a UCLA like say you had gone to UCLA and you just randomly take this class, and then your teacher looks a little familiar, and then you look him up and he's a singer of Bad Religion. <laughs> I mean, there's you know Matthew McConaughey. He's yeah, well yeah, he just became like a professor in what acting in Texas or something like that. Yeah, film studies or something. UT Austin. Yeah, or UT something. That's a little bit different though. You know, like theater arts are like completely different from like hard sciences like this. You know, and oh yeah, oh, I mean, there's that one guy from Queen who like what is a is a physics professor was it? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, that dude's crazy talented. He has like hair like Mozart. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like the nicest guy, too. Brian May. Did you see the Bohemian Rhapsody movie? I definitely did enjoy it, but I definitely didn't enjoy the last set that, uh, uh, Queen... The last scene? Uh, the last scene, or, like, the last, like, concert. You mean the concert? Yeah, because it was just... Ah, new, nice transition. See what I was doing there? Bringing up a concert again? (laughs) It's a lot, because they're... Because I'm not familiar with Queen except for their biggest hits. Yeah. Like, uh, No One Bites the Dust, or We Will Rock You, or, uh... Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, So yeah, so I think they played songs from the actual Benefit concert. I'm just not familiar with this, so I think I just ended up skipping that entire last part. That's funny you say that too, because that's literally considered one of the best concerts of all time. If you like, you know the channel Watch Mojo. Oh yeah. Yeah, they have like a top ten best concerts. I think that's number one. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I wrong time, wrong era for me. Does yeah, that's fair. It's. 
I try to like, I guess I try to like personally, because you mainly listen to pop punk, right? That's like your main genre. Really, yeah. yeah. I try to like familiarize myself with a million different genres just to be like cultured on music, you know? I'm always trying to like look for different genres. I mean, I do have a playlist for like oldies and like older rock, so you've got like um, Bon Jovi, ACDC, <laughs> uh, Billy Joel, uh, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, a couple of Guns N' Roses in there. Okay, nice. Yeah, so awesome. I definitely do have, like, songs I do like. Yes. Uh, I think I've even got, like, Joan Jett in there. Um, oh, look at you. Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm selective. Yeah, that's fair. So, now we've been so positive, why don't we talk about the stuff we hate in concerts? I can talk about aspects I hate about concerts, but I can't say that there's a concert I hated, personally. Really? Okay. Well, because well, I always go to concerts and I try to enjoy it and I know that I, like, maximize my fun. True. That is true. You, like, you go into a concert, I think nobody, like, wants to hate the concert. You want to have a good time, but I'm trying to think. Um, I guess, okay, just kind of minor nuances, I guess, is merch. <laughs> okay, I sh- We're really merch stretching is- if merch is the con that we have for concerts. No, sometimes I... I'm actually sometimes legitimately just bummed out when I can't buy something. <laughs> like, I, I want to be able to, like, oh, I want to get something exclusive for this tour. So, Endless Day, 20th anniversary of Blink-182. Uh-huh. I went there and I looked at the merch and I just thought, yeah, I don't like anything here. Yeah. Damn. And another band that I liked as a kid, The Offspring. I don't uh-huh. like them as much now, but I definitely loved them as a kid. Yeah. Finally saw them for the first time. Looked at their merch. Yeah, I hate almost everything here except this one shirt. But even then, I barely even like it. Yeah. Well, okay, that seems like kind of superficial. I'm talking more about the concert itself. You know, the experience. I know what you're saying, though. The entire experience it is kind of kill if you don't have some memorabilia to like walk away with. It is yeah. cool to get that because some of my shirts, some of my favorite shirts, are like shows that I've been to at the same time too. But uh, like one example of a show I didn't like. The only show I've walked out of. Do you have any guess on the artist? That's oh, right, boy. Ariana Grande. No. Um, let's see, it was uh, Franz Ferdinand. Oh, Franz Ferdinand? Was this <laughs> recent? No, this was, well, what do you consider recent? Four years ago? Past year. Four years ago. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so the thing was, I, I'd never seen Franz Ferdinand before. I always want to see him live. And I see that they're doing this album with a band called Sparks. Have you heard of Sparks? No. Picture just 80s. Uh, <laughs> the most 80s the, pop band you can imagine. I'll say the NBA, or the WNBA's LA team. <laughs> no, just as uh, random and out of nowhere, though. But, um, yeah, so basically they did an album with Franz Ferdinand, and then I see that they're, like, touring together, so I'm like, okay, cool. So Sparks will play, and then Franz Ferdinand will play, right? And then I can hear all the Franz Ferdinand songs I would assume they'd be playing. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I get there, and they have two intro bands, opening bands, and they play, and I'm like, was one of them Sparks? I don't think they were actually Sparks. That's weird. So Sparks are going to play? Because two bands have already played, and it's already, like, I don't know, 9.30 or 10 by now. Like, shows usually go till like, 11 or 11.30, right? Yeah. So I'm like, that's kind of weird. How are they going to fit in all these, like, two bands in this, like, short period of time where they're just going to go super late? So then I find out that Franz Ferdinand and Sparks are, like, did this album together, and they're actually, like, playing together. So it's not just Franz Ferdinand on stage. It's Franz Ferdinand and Sparks. And they're not playing Franz Ferdinand or, like, Sparks solo songs. They're only playing songs that they recorded on this album. And the songs they recorded on this album just are totally different than what you're looking for if you're looking for Franz Ferdinand. So, yeah, I don't know any of the songs. They sound super different. And there are these two guys on stage from the band Sparks that I don't listen to by any means and are totally killing the vibe for me. 
And after a while, I was just like, I'm not enjoying getting this, so I just walked away and left. Wasted experience. I'm sorry. Did you, did you, how much money did you fork over for that? Ah, uh, it's probably like 30 to 40. Not too bad. Oh, uh, not too bad. Nothing yeah, worse. exactly. But it was at the Fox Theater, which is one of my favorite venues. Hey, you're close to it now, right? Yeah, actually. I need to go to a show there. Do you have any favorite venues? I like the Ace of Spades in um, Sacramento. Sacramento. I I've actually never been to that one. Comes up a lot though. Why do you like it? What's good about it? It's okay. So it's definitely like it feels like one of the smaller feels, like uh, American Music Hall, uh, Regency. It's got that small feel to it, but then it's structured in a way that it feels not like a music hall. Not like we're trying to be something, but then we don't have enough space to try to be something. It's we're making the best of the stage that we do have mm-hmm. and it feels kind of like a garage concert and we also have like balcony seating that actually looks tasteful in a way so it's like how it's designed uh-huh. so it's a good oh, excuse me it's a good mix of everything as you can see I'm really bringing the energy to this episode <laughs> I should probably give you a shot of adrenaline or vodka hey do you have that uh, whiskey I gave you still I debate about actually bringing it some nice. <laughs> I think you should. That should be the next episode to make up for the lack of energy I have on this one. Give you a couple of shots. Yeah, we should do that. We should take one, not acknowledge it on the actual podcast, but just take a shot every five minutes, like while one of us are talking, and then just see, die. see it gradually go downhill. I'm gonna, down to, I'm gonna have to sleep over <laughs> or something. <laughs> That'd be fine. I got an air mattress. Oh, you know what we could do? If we can finally record this remotely from our own homes. Remotely? Like, separately? Yeah, separately. Okay. Like, I'll figure that out later. All right. But we can. We just drink from the comfort of our own homes. But we'd probably have to record on the weekend. I mean, we could because just... Because we might not wake up for work the next day. I mean, we live... How far away do you live? Mm, 20, 25 minutes. That's not bad. Not that bad, but yeah. driving to Brooklyn sucks. That's true. If you drank, too, you wouldn't want to drive, obviously. Because that's not safe. You should never drink and drive, kids. To our seven to eight listeners, if you guys are under the age of twenty one, or actually you should just never drive. None, period. I hope none of them are the under the age of twenty one. Or else we I don't want to influence the wrong I don't crowd. Negatively influence anyone that young. What if we are actually catering to the seventy eight year olds? Seventy eight year olds. I hope we're only catering to seventy eight year olds. That would be great. Anyway, retirement's home just playing us talking All right, about one eighty two. We know where this 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 podcast is digressing and devolving <laughs> into this mush of just sadness and. Failure now, Sleep so we shall now end it. Really? I'm ready to go. Round two. I just got invigorated, Joe. <laughs> Alright, thank you for listening. Let's talk about it. You're qualified with your host, Ja, and No, Vince. I'm not done. I'm not I done. I will catch you later, everybody. <laughs>